All right, so uh, we're live. Um, Cam Lamp here. Welcome to the show. How's it feel to be here? Hello. Happy to be here. I haven't been on a Zoom call in a while, uh, ever <laughs> since finished online school last year. Really? You, so you're like fully all, let's get right back to the school. So you're fully in person, all classes? Oh, yeah. So, yep. I got all my classes in person. I got a nice chemistry lab I've been working on. I just completed that this morning. There you go. Uh, so, so, you're, yeah, so you're a science student, correct? What, what's your, uh, what field are you looking to go into? So I'm in school for biology at the moment. I'm in my third year. Um, I love biology. It's been an interest for me since high school. Uh, but I'm really trying to focus in on doing something with optometry or doing work with healthcare with the eyes. Uh, so I would either be an optometrist, go to optometry school, or hit uh, maybe a little bit of medical school for MD degree. But we'll see. So for people like me that might not really know, like op optometry, like so well, can you kind of? further it's the study of the eyes correct i'm not bad though yeah it's i guess you could, so they describe it as more of like the study of vision mm. versus the study of the eyes i guess okay okay um, it's, a, it's, a, it's about trying to help people have better vision but obviously the eyes are super involved with that yeah like, i don't know i don't know how much we want to go into my studies it's probably not as exciting as some of the other stuff about me but Oh, okay. So you, so you don't even want to talk about that. What, what would you no, want I mean, to talk about? I mean, we can, but like, I feel like me and you wouldn't usually be talking about that. That's but true. it's for the viewers. Well, well I, am, I am kind of curious. So when you say like it's focused on vision, like in so, general, so like yeah. what, how could you enhance someone's vision without talking about their eyes? Does that make sense? Yeah, so exactly. You, it, it does all have to concern the eyes because um, mostly everything with that an optometrist would work with would probably concern the eyes. Um, there's a lot of nerves and brain tissue that's involved as well, but I'm also not the biggest expert on the topic. I, uh, I'm just interested at the moment. Well, yeah, you're learning about it. Yeah. But that's so that's uh, being interested in that and seeing that as a goal, um, like going to optometry school, which is a four year program after undergrad. Um, that's what's really motivating me in my undergraduate degree at the moment, because you need to have that undergraduate STEM degree to be eligible for the programs. OK, OK. And like this is all also just my curiosity, like what are kind of like the top like, is there a, a, a top optometry school in the country or is it just kind of like main, like yeah, medical, I mean, like Harvard and tops and places like that? Yeah, so it's actually a little bit different than medical school. It's almost more comparable to a dentistry school. Um, so there's specific schools that just give you a specific optometry degree. It's not considered a medical degree. It's, uh, it's like a clinical um, optometry degree, I guess. And it's a doctorate degree. Um, 
So there's very specific programs and a lot of the schools just do that. So it's an optometry school. Um, so the number one choices, I guess, are in Massachusetts, there's a school called NECO, which is New England College of Optometry. That's uh, in Boston area. And then I believe there's one in Florida, uh, somewhere around Miami, that's pretty sought after. Okay. Uh, it's an optometry school as well, probably for the climate. Mm. Yeah, it's nice down in Florida. <laughs> yeah, it is nice. That's what I've heard. So is, is that one in Boston, like, uh, associated with any of the other major universities, or it's just... Uh, I don't believe so. So I think there is because uh, there's so many. School. There's so many in the Boston area. It's crazy. Yeah, there's another school that's associated with. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm getting a little out of my league here with my information, but I think All they're right. associated Why with like Google, Massachusetts College of Health and Science and Pharmacy, something like that, like MCHP. There's they have an optometry school as well, but. I think the NECO one is uh, pretty independent there. Uh, yeah, they, they have some nice buildings from what I've seen. Looks like a pretty uh, nice situation. I mean, yeah, that's kind of part of going to any school. I mean, that's kind of why I chose Brian, I feel like, is just because it, like, looked pretty. Um, I mean, uh -huh. it's kind of like... Especially, well, because you're 18 years old and you're like, you're like not really thinking about going to college. You're thinking more about like, oh, like I'm hanging out with my friends this summer. Like, what are we going to do like to live it up like before school? I don't know. Yeah. You, I don't know if you felt that way, but. No, I, I, I think that's crazy because there's all there's always a lot of talk about um, like kids going to these prestigious schools and like ending up at these nice colleges or going far away and all this stuff. And like definitely how I felt. And I feel like a lot of people feel is like, I wasn't ready at that point to be in a position where I could like think about that. Those were my priorities were like trying my hardest in high school to get into like college to get into like this crazy college. But some kids like, are just at that point in their life where they do well in that situation and then they their lives can end up so different by going to prestigious schools like that and then I feel like kids that don't do that and they aren't ready at that point like when they're in high school they like hold themselves back and they feel like they're less than the kids that were just ready like two years earlier than they were you know yeah, I just think it, it is definitely, like, crazy as society that we're, like, all right, you're going to make this decision, and, like, college degrees are, like, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, and it's, like, you're going to be paying this off for the next however many years, and then, obviously, not everyone can afford it, and then, obviously, there's so many other jobs that you can go into other than, mm -hmm. like, like, getting a college degree and becoming a STEM, or, like, me, like, going into business. yeah. Um, which yeah like people can have go ahead fun fact you don't need a degree to like work a business job like it's it's pretty yeah. I mean there's like turns and like shit that I like learn and stuff like that uh, but I feel like the average person you, you could pick them up off the street and fit, not like 
not every position, but like entry level position. And that's also what you get. Um, it's just kind of the fact that you've gone to a school for four years and proved that you can like show up on time. And like, I mean, there is like to a degree, there is part of that, um, which is helpful. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just always have thought that that's crazy that kind of society is set up that way. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've started to look at it kind of in a, because at first, you, especially in like my STEM degree, at first, some of the things you're learning, you start to think like, oh, I'm probably not going to be using these things all the time if I get a job. Like I would just be learning, even if I had a job in STEM, I would just be learning the very specific things that are relating to my job and then getting good at those things. So I don't need to be learning all of this stuff that is extremely in-depth and maybe I won't really be using it. Like, for example, with organic chemistry, I've like had to take organic chemistry for a couple of years now. And I've also had like experiences with people in the fields of science. Like I have had experiences with people in wildlife biology and healthcare and then research biology as well. And all of those people kind of tell me like, yeah, I haven't done the organic chemistry since college. Like I don't do organic chemistry every day like even the even the guy I worked with that was doing like biological pharmacological research on animals like he wasn't using the stuff I learned in class every day Mm -hmm. so at first you kind of think like the information isn't relevant I guess like you don't really need to be learning it um but Actually, last year, a professor, my organic chemistry professor, professor explained something that I thought was like pretty interesting that he was just saying, it's organic chemistry is kind of a way to teach you to think critically about like a problem in that, especially with organic chemistry is you can't have all the stuff like in your brain at once that's gonna help you figure out the problem like you have to work through it as a process and he was comparing it to uh he's comparing it to learning how to play an instrument and i've recently uh picked up playing an instrument as well i've been playing the ukulele uh and and i can kind of see the parallels that he was making between uh like working through a problem and doing it based on trial and error and practice versus previously I had really been like trying to get all the stuff in my brain at once. Um, but yeah, so that's why I think organic chemistry is kind of good to learn, even if it feels like a waste of time because you won't be using it. It's kind of like training your brain to be able to adapt to incoming stimulus and like figure out the things you need to figure out yeah which I feel like was every single math class we took in high school like it like I'm never gonna really know how to like do trigonometry but like it was helpful in the moment because it definitely made me like think harder and like come up with kind of different ways to do it um but I want to get back to so you mentioned you had some like work in like a lab and stuff um 
It was lab and field work, you said? Uh, which lab are you referring to? I, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I wanna, my, I wanna... my lab that I'm in right now in school? No, 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 no. You said you were working with some scientists that never did organic chemistry. Yeah, so originally um, when I was like pretty fresh at high school, like this probably this summer out of high school, um, I was working at University of Vermont. I wasn't working. I wasn't being paid. I was just a unpaid intern, but I was working with a scientist that was doing research in his lab uh, on mice. He was trying to figure out how bladder tissue uh, functions, I guess. I guess there's actually a little bit of a mystery around like how bladder cells function in our body still. Um, I think there's like, I feel like especially with the human body, there's so much to learn and there's a surprising amount of things that we that even the scientific community doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what like kind of experiments were like, were you just like trying to get to wrap the peotone or like what's the... So he had, he had an apparatus um, that had mice in it. And then he was, so I think what he was really doing was studying the bladders in relation to diabetes. Um, so he had, he had mice that were diabetic and mice that were non-diabetic. Um, and something about the way that their bladders reacted when they had diabetes and when they, when they didn't, it was mm-hmm. like, he ended up getting end results that he, like he was trying to get end results that were gonna tell him something about the way that the cells actually function themselves, which is kind of cool. But I think there's a lot of like scientific research like that, that goes on. That's kind of like behind the scenes. And it's almost like a guy working in his little workshop and like, he doesn't really have much of a chance of doing something big, but it's like, it's almost like an inventor, like trying to make something in their workshop. Like, yeah, I just, you never know I, like, happen. I still can't get over the fact that you can like buy specifically rats with diabetes. Like, but I mean, oh, I guess yeah, there's, crazy. there's a market out so there. Was- well, it's like that. So like the startup I'm working for, um, we're working on like creating a bracelet that can detect like narcotics and sweat. Uh Um, And like you can, and I was online like looking at different sweat to buy so we can test it. And you can buy like male, female, like different like um, ages. And you can buy races. Like we have like, like a 55 Hispanic woman and then like an 85 year old man. And like, it's just, I feel like that whole of races of mice. No, of humans. Of the cells. No, the sweat. So, like, say you want like a thirty. Oh, the sweat. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The sweat, sweat. So, say you want like a thirty-five-year-old. Oh, that's crazy. Who's, like Asian, yeah. you want their sweat. You, and I feel like that market is like I've never really thought about it until then. Like the whole like scientific testing, like I need this specific thing, like rats with diabetes, like. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's a crazy system. I remember he took me 
like into the basement of their big uh, facility one time. And that's where they have like all the mice is down there in the basement, I guess. And there's like all these people that like only work in the basement and they like stay down there with the mice all day. And they were like walking around and they like saw us and it looked like they like hadn't seen people like in a long time. And they were like, wanted to show us everything and like all this stuff. And uh, like one of the women down there was showing me all the different types of rats that they had. And like they had um, mice that glow in the dark and they had like these massive mice that were like six inches long, like seven inches long. And then they had some that had like glow in the dark tails and glow in the dark eyes and like all different colors of eyes. It was crazy. How how does that happen? How do you turn a it was a mice or rats? Mice probably. Uh, they're mice. How do you turn yeah. mice glow in the dark? Is it just like paint they put on them or like a mice no, actually over think... thinking this? <laughs> well, I actually think that the mice are genetically so all the mice are genetically modified to be the way that they are so i think that they splice into their genes some sort of gene that's found in like a jellyfish that would be bioluminescent yeah and it somehow works to make it glow in the dark which is pretty crazy I'm just like googling it, just a technique which earliest stages of cancer. Yeah, it says adding a fluorescent gene from fireflies. I mean, I don't know, fireflies. but I think it's the same. I, I guess it's just and okay. Yeah, they can add. It says here, like the jellyfish, what you're talking about, like they put the jellyfish. Is that what you're saying, right? Uh -huh. That's nuts, bro. Huh. It's pretty wild. Also, this is one thing I've always kind of thought. Um, obviously, I'm not like a huge science guy. I'm just like a casual observer. But why mice? Like, there's so many animals in the world, and like, I guess because it is it because they're cheap or do you know? Um, I've been told before. I don't remember, but I could like bullshit something. Like I think oh, being cheap is bullshit. It. Okay, I think like the fact that they're cheap is definitely a factor for sure, and like they're small. And um, people don't really care. Like if you're like pouring something in my mouth's yeah. eye, people aren't gonna like be like, oh, like it's a kitty cat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You would probably try to stay away from like pouring something in their eye, or at least I would. Well, so like. Well, I know, but like, the, the average no. animal rights activist wouldn't care about a mouse. Right. There. It's not. It's not like a hot button issue or whatever. Yeah. But, but it is crazy. Like, because when I was down in that lab, like you get this feeling that, like. Some of these animals are going to end up probably suffering depending on what experiments are done to them. So I don't know. It's it like it's an interesting question of like what 
bringing that much suffering into the world even if it's just like little mice like there's like a darkness element to it yeah no i can see that and especially if you're spending like hours and hours with them and like I mean, right. dep- depending on what you're doing like obviously if you're doing like if you're gonna cure cancer you harm as many mice as you want right that's um, the idea yeah but like yeah. I, I do feel like when it's easy to say like outside of that situation excuse me <clears throat> that that wouldn't affect you um but uh so you, you mentioned that study but ha- haven't you been a part of like some other studies too uh, yeah, so I did some other work um, in biology, working with uh, rattlesnake populations in uh, Vermont, northeastern United States. Uh, it was a pretty interesting experience as a someone who is uh, getting interested in science. So what were you doing exactly there? Were you like going out and catching rattlesnakes or like? Um, I actually never made it out to the uh, experimental site uh, while I was working with that guy. Um, I had plans to, but he ended up injuring his knee, I guess, and he was out of commission for the uh, time frame that I was available. Mm-hmm. But I was hoping him with his research trying to map the uh, zones of population where the snakes are. And he had a den set up with uh, excuse me, with uh, triggers around and he had tagged snakes. Um, so when he could track the snakes movements as they entered and left the den, uh, but he had all this footage um, of the snakes and tracking data of the snakes that he needed somebody to just grind through. Um, wasn't the most difficult work, but it was a good uh, good experience figuring out what some of the grunt work is, especially with uh, wildlife biology research. Yeah, so, so did those like kind of two experiences like kind of like turn you away from like the research part and um science or i i think i think so a little bit um i would say less so the i would say less so they turn me away from the wildlife um biology i still think wildlife biology research is really cool um and interesting i Something that turned me off a little bit about that is I love like the planet and I love wildlife, but I feel like a lot of things that are going on in the world could uh, be more like worth my attention, I guess, than devoting my life to something like that. Um, I'm still very interested in like everything about that field. I think it's really cool, but especially the like the pharmacological research uh, that the guy was doing with the mice in the lab. Um, I guess that situation, like he was a really nice guy, but I just didn't feel like spending all my time in a lab uh, working with cells and 
stuff like that, especially if I was working. I mean, if I was working on something that I felt really strongly about and felt like I was making a difference, that would be great. Um, but a lot of the stuff, a lot of things about the um, current climate of, I guess, the economy and just the systems surrounding uh, medical research and drug research uh, kind of turned me off about the whole situation. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's what it's all about, like, just trying to find something that, like, you're passionate about, um, which is something I've definitely learned in my short lifetime. Um, and I feel like it, it also is, like, can be constantly changing. Um, I did see a good quote, even though much to say this, I uh, don't really agree with Gary Vee and everything that he says, because I sometimes feel like he kind of projects himself as this, like, media mogul. Um, but he, he, someone asked him if he was embarrassed, like ever embarrassed about his passion. And he was just like, you should never be embarrassed about your passion. Like, that's why it's your passion. Like, you don't care, like, who, who says what about you because you're doing this thing. You should just do it because it makes you happy. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's important. And, and like, kind of going back to our previous comments about, like, going to college so soon, like, you don't spend enough time like discovering your passion I feel like in life like um, kids they go to high school and then if you go to college um, or you just like go straight to work and um, it's important to kind of like go explore like find a couple jobs Um, but again that kind of hurts you in the whole like society because oh if you're someone who has a job and seven different industries that people are going to be like, well, what do you, like, you can't keep a job. You don't know what you want. Are you going to be trustworthy? Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a crazy world out there. And I feel like there is a big thing with like people set you in these paths where you feel like you have to do certain things. And I've seen one that is kind of like, you go to high school, you go to college, and then you get a job, and then suddenly everyone's like, all right, I have this job, like, and now I have to pay this rent, and now I have to be doing this, and, like, and then suddenly it's, like, 30 years later, and it's, like, you don't really know what happened, so I feel like, and, I mean, this could happen to anyone, like, there's, like, it's almost like there's like traps that you can fall into like every which way. Um, But at the end of the day, it is all about how you look at it. Like if you, even if you stay somewhere like for your whole life and you could have done something else, like if you look at it in the right way, then you can be easily happy with it. So. Yeah. It's all about breaking the wheel as, as Daenerys Targaryen would say. remember that um, what i don't remember that but no i thought you were gonna no. reference beneath the wheel by herman hess is a good uh good novel what, what is that about i haven't read that one yet i haven't read it either but <laughs> well, well, you, well you're quoting it you haven't read it well well it's just the title is beneath the wheel and i believe the wheel oh. is like crushing societal pressure but 
that's what okay. I thought you were going to reference. So I made a pop culture reference. You just made one that was far more intelligent. Story of my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about we could talk about future of the podcast. Future of the podcast? Yeah. Do we have any plans as like the host? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. Okay. Oh, so you were doing. I was gonna say we could both. I was gonna say we could both be hosts. Like I could be like a guest host or something. But I'll, yeah. I guess I'll let you spearhead it because I got other stuff to do. But like every once in a while, I could come in and be there too. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But so yeah. my thoughts is I. So I enjoy like talking with people, but I don't always like talking with people in like social settings because when like. You're all like drinking on a Friday night. Like no one wants to have like a real conversation. Does that make sense? Huh. Like people just want to talk that about. Makes a lot of sense. People just want to talk about like, I don't know, like nostalgia shit yeah. and like stuff to like not like, make them think essentially. Yeah, and, like, it's almost as, like, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, what were you going to say? It's almost like a little bit of like a, not an obligation, but like a commitment to having a conversation that's not just like bs i guess like even like me and you talking like like this could be a nice conversation between us that we wouldn't really have otherwise yeah that's like, that, just be just because we're recording it i guess but yeah and so i kind of like that aspect of it um i'm also very bad at like reaching out and like asking people like how they're doing like what are they up to um, so I feel like this will like force me to do that um, is a big one. Dude. Yeah. So I'm like, this is so great because like, that's why, I mean, like someone like Joe Rogan or like any, any podcast with this format is like, there's so many people out there that want to talk about whether it's what they do for work or just like the mm-hmm. shit they're doing. Like you just ask them and they'll just go off. Like, yeah, and if they if it's interesting, if like people want to hear it, then it's like easy. Yeah, that's exactly my thought process. And um, not as like I love to learn stuff, and like I feel like I learned like not only like shit about you, my own brother that I didn't know about before this, but like mm-hmm. I learned that fucking mice can be like altered jellyfish from firefly gene. Like <laughs> I don't know, I just. Yeah. I feel like I can have a lot of like cool conversations with people and the fact that it's just like a hobby, like not like I have to like pay the rent. I mean, hopefully one day it could like turn into something big, but um never know. You never know, you just gotta grind it out. Mm-hmm. A little late too, probably a little late to the medium, seeing that there's I I think I was just in a because I'm doing the podcast for work too. And I was just in a webinar and I think there's like two million podcasts like being created every year. So like it's yeah. definitely oversaturated, but um if it's just a hobby, what the hell? Yeah. And I feel like people need like people need podcasts and like things that have like long form in-depth thoughts about whatever it is because there's so much fast-paced media in our world right now that like 
I think our brains are getting really messed up with how quickly stuff comes at us and how quickly we expect it. So like making a podcast is like almost good for people's brains because it lets them like focus on something. Well, not only that, I've always kind of said that and I always kind of refer back to politics, but it's really anything like anyone can talk for five minutes to like Rachel Maddow or fucking Tucker Carlson. Like anyone can talk to them and seem smart and like intelligent and stuff. You get someone in a room for an hour and a half, two hours, and you're talking to them and like you can tell if someone's like full of shit or if they like know what they're talking about and like actually care and they're passionate. Like you can, it's pretty easy to tell if you're talking for an extended period of time. Yeah, you, just, you, just really get, yeah, you just can't get that much with those, like, the news has been doing it for a while, but, like, those little clips of little yeah. sentences people say that are just meaningless. It's just Let's hear something, that you don't really hear about. Let's hear something, man. You're that, saying you're playing the ukulele. Yeah, you're saying you're playing the ukulele. Oh, yeah. what, what are some popular songs that you know? Well, yeah, so I can't really I can't really speak on, like, the whole music community because I'm kind of just starting out, so... Well, hey, everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah, that's, that's, like, the right mindset to start out with. Um... But yeah, I've been loving it. Just like playing a few songs. You wanted to know some popular songs I know. Uh, get pretty good at playing Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Uh, that's, a, that's a favorite right now. And that one will never die. Like you play ukulele at any scene. Dude, like it can it be old die. people, young people, like people, like kids in high school now. Like people. Okay. I've been listening to start singing. I've been listening to the original Journey version, like on my way to school. Like every once in a while, it's pretty. It's pretty nice. It's pretty uh, nice journey. But no, like I, I don't really think that I have like the most interesting hobbies. Like I've been playing tennis. I've been playing ukulele. I've been reading, and then I got school. I got some other stuff. But if you ask, like in the future, if you ask people about what they do, I bet you'd find some cool stuff. Yeah. Did you see the, uh, what, what was she, 18, the U.S. Uh, champion? I forget her name. I apologize, but. Yeah, you about like Osaka or something. No, that's, the, Jap- that's, the, that's the Japanese player. She's, she's yeah. dating, dating Corday. She lost. Okay. Yeah, I don't really follow the pros, but. More of a you, grassroots guy. Yeah, you just like to play the game. You don't like to follow it. Yeah. Yeah. There's always much, one guy. Pomp and circumstance. Wait, you don't like you don't like Wimbledon where they have to wear all white and the I think the trophy is like a disc. I could be wrong, but Yeah, I'm not sure. I do like I do like Roger Federer. I think he's a good role he, model. He's retired. No, I know. Uh, why? Why do I you? Mean, think I, I don't actually. Why do you think he's a good role model? Uh, what do you mean? He's a good guy. He's great at tennis. Tennis is a very mental uh, game, so I think he has some mental strength in him for sure. Yeah, even though he sell out to Uni- Uniqlo, the Asian conglomerate. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really uh, researched his 
economic ties. He made a lot of money from them, let's just say. No, I, I agree with you. I do think he's a good guy. Um, it is crazy, though. Like, a tennis match, like, it can go, like, four or five hours. And, like, you have to be dialed in the entire time. Like, it's. I was watching, like, um, I think it was the semifinals. There was some Russian guy against, like, this Canadian kid, the men's. Um, and the, like, Canadian kid was playing really well. And then just, like, I think mentally he just, like, got broke. Like, and it was just so clear that he, like, just mentally just kind of lost it because he was not playing, like, himself. And I never really, like, thought of tennis that way, like, as this, like, mentally grueling sport. But, like, it really is. Oh, it's absurd. It's, it's like, a battle. Like, yeah. It's, like, it's, like, a – it's one of the most – I feel like – because you always see the tennis players that break down and get pissed and, like, start smashing shit and they seem like they're so stressed out. And, like, it's, like, I have played in, like, a couple matches, I guess, that were, like, very low competitiveness. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, it kind of hits you really quick that there's a huge element of competitiveness that you almost – like you feel it in team sports, but the fact that it's on you and then you're against like this opponent, it gets very like you get very pigeonholed into mental uh, states that can really break you down. Well, not only that, something like football, you can go out and like hit someone like and like get get rid of that some of that like bent up stress and like other mm-hmm. individual sports. I think of like you mentioned the one on one, but like swimming, like. There's a bunch of people, like, you're also on a swim team. Well, you're, tennis, you're on a tennis team, too. But, um, like, golfing, like, you're competing against so many people. I guess the only thing that's equivalent to that is, like, when you're, like, the final day and it's down to the last two and they're tied. But you're not, like, hitting yeah. something back and forth. Yeah, where, even like, then. It's like... If you mess up a little bit, like, they capitalize, like, yeah, like it's really in golf and like swimming and diving and all that stuff. Like you're really competing against yourself, and like mm-hmm. it's just a meta thing of yourself, which is a whole other animal. But yeah, tennis is crazy because it's almost like a, it really is like a match. It's almost like a sword fight with like a duel. Yeah. So you you feel the same way about badminton there now? Uh, yeah, I haven't played badminton in a while, but I think that's usually two person. So you got like a buddy on the team. No, they have singles, don't they? I don't know. I, I don't know. That's one of those like Olympic sports that no one really pays pays attention to. No one really pays attention to the Olympics in general. Yeah, might be isolated, but 